Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the JWB Redraft Ramp Up, where we give you a consumable redraft perspective. I'm joined again, as we did with the last video, 24 through 11, Tim and Pilar. We're not going to kill too much time here. I'm super excited. This is the fun stuff. We are finally approaching proper draft season. I know you guys, a lot of you guys probably have your drafts this weekend. So why not give you guys the top 10 running backs? So we'll start with no other than Josh Jacobs, who's sitting here at number 10. A guy who was really a renaissance part of his career last year, finished as the running back three. He was a guy who, admittedly, we faded. A lot of people had him as a back-end RB2 last season, and it really proved them wrong here. But we're, we're, we sit in the midst of some holdout rumors, some stuff that is a little scary. I'll start with you, Tyler, on Josh Jacobs. What has it for you where, despite last year's finish, he's, he's back here at RB10? Yeah, I mean, I think that really just has to do with this, like, holdout. How he's, like, left Vegas, isn't there at camp, and that's really all that it, there's to, like, that at all. Like, currently, I've projected as the second most touches in the entire NFL behind Derrick Henry. You know, I, I have him for, like, 50 catches, 275 rush attempts. Um, I even got him scoring a couple, uh, you know, receiving touchdowns, which should be wonderful to see. It, I think that just certainly reflects the fear, uh, the risk of an actual holdout, because otherwise he's a clear top five running back for me. He's one of those guys I, I'll take the risk on, and a lot of times if I'm playing in like a larger kind of tournament style, I take the risk without question. I think if I'm playing in like a regular home league, I'm a little bit more risk adverse because I'm not trying to necessarily shoot for the moon and beat thousands of people. I'm just trying to beat 11. So I, to me, he's a top five running back without question. Um, he's projected that way. He's not ranked that way until he comes back to practice, and there's some indication that he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, ADP, he's running back nine. So he's right there here with us. Uh, I think a lot of people have those exact same worries. Um, Tim, do you think there's any truth? Do you think there is a world here where Josh Jacobs plays on another team? I know it's really uncommon, but he's also in a pretty uncommon situation himself. There were ties you know, a week or two back with – the Denver Broncos of Javante Williams didn't show the way they wanted to in early preseason. And there was also talks with the chiefs trying to grab themselves a full-time back here. So if you were to move teams, how would that change things for you? Well, I think it would depend on the team, but like, even if you look at like the holdout, right? Like you have JT who held out, but then, or not JT, excuse me, Saquon Barkley who held out, but then got his, had his contract worked out. Then you got JT who's holding in. And then you have Josh Jacobs, not even at practice. So I'm not saying one is more beneficial than the other or one impacts negatively or, or the other one doesn't or whatever, but there could be some ramifications for that. And I don't really, with Delvin Cook on, you know, available in free agency, he might've asked for too much money. And actually Bob Harris hit around the head that he was going to get 8 million bucks. So he was right, but it, it could have been a money thing, but I don't really, not really sure there's a huge market for running backs to even be, be moved to different teams and get paid because most of the salary cap has been spent on most teams. I know like the chargers have a lot, but they're not going to go after Jacobs unless they just really want to weaken the Raiders. But I just, it, those are things that make me question as well as there's just a lot of things going on with this Raiders team. Like what's going on with, you know, with Jimmy G things like that. How are, how are they going to proceed into the season? Because it could look way different than it did even just last year. And it really doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me. Yeah, well, with Josh Jacobs, right, if, as long as he's playing, I think 10 is very, very safe. We see, we saw before last year's big breakout, finished between 10 and 13 every year prior to that. So um, it is an interesting one, and it's it's a situation that we're, we're going to have to see play out here. But we're going to continue things on here with our running back nine, 
who is, I don't think a lot of people would guess it, is Joe Mixon. We are well ahead of ADP here. Joe Mixon goes as the running back 14 in a lot of drafts. So he goes in, in the 30s. And for us, that would be in the 20s. So Joe Mixon, a player who had a lot of controversy, he's going through it right now. So it's not the, the cleanest pick. It's not the safest pick. But Joe Mixon's playing. It's Maja Piran, a player who took a significant amount of targets last year is gone. And Joe Mixon finds himself in one of the best offenses, 90 target upside here. Um, Tim, I'm coming. I mean, Tyler, I'm coming right back to you. Cause I know Joe Mixon is, is a guy that you and myself have been pretty high on here as a bona fide RB one. Give the people a little insight. Let them know why Joe Mixon is, is a smash pick this year. Essentially it really comes down to that. Like I've been, I've been projected for a pretty elite workload, both on the ground, you know, the case for him to see 260, 200 care, like, sorry, 260, 280 touches is great, which is, that is wonderful. We love to see it. And it's going to be on one of the fastest and best offenses in the entire NFL. I think if like everything came out, like he's going to play, like there's all these concerns. There was contract issues. Is he getting cut? Are they going to sign somebody? The legal stuff, like all this stuff, like I get why he's this low, right? But if, you know, it's a stance that I'm taking where I'm like, he's the guy he's going to play. There's no one, there's no one threatening him behind him. Like respectfully, Chase Brown did a lot in college. I don't think there's anything to worry about in the NFL, Chase Brown. And then like, besides that, it's nobody. It's like Chris Evans, no concerns. Trayvon Williams, I think he's been there for almost like five years and he's never really earned anything. So to me, it's just like, we talk about a guy who, like, if you look at just like the percentage of RB snaps he's going to get, it's probably going to be towards the top in the NFL. And it's also going to, and then you couple that with the fact that he's on the Bengals, who we expect to likely be one of the best, most explosive offenses in the NFL with an improved offensive line. To me, it's just like, it's one of these instances when I think about Mixon, is it doesn't have to be this hard, right? It just doesn't have to be this hard. He's going to get a ton of touches, both you know on the ground and through the air. I think looking at things right now um, through my projections, like about 220, 230 touches on the ground, he's probably going to see around 70 targets. I got him a little below that, but 70 targets, probably catching around like 55 balls. And that's pretty conservative. Um, and it's still going to spit him out around you know RB10. So for me, it's just simply like, he can exceed that. There's room to exceed that. And he could go even higher. Just, I don't really care that, you know, the efficiency, it's whatever. The Bengals are just that good. They're like, just give me this guy. I want him. He's a, he's a stud, bona fide RB1. Like, mix him to the moon. Let's go. Yeah, honestly, a lot of these backs, people talk, well, chase the volume, right? Well, they throw out names like Alexander Madison, Damian Pearson. Sure, those guys could see 200 to 220 opportunities. So let's not mix that up with a player like Joe Mixon, where Tyler's talking legitimately 300 opportunities. And that's that's top eight appeal from the running back position. And we saw it just a couple of years ago. You give that kind of a work, and it was inefficient then. A couple of touchdowns in this offense. It's not like you've got the RB4. I, I, I don't think that's a ridiculous ceiling here for Joe Mixon, despite being relatively inefficient, just because of this offense, just because of that, that workload that seems a shoo-in to me. Uh, I like Chase Brown, too talks right now are that him and Chris Evans are competing for that job. It's not even clear who exactly that backup is going to be. And Chris Evans hasn't earned anything out there yet. Travion Williams is a nobody. So it's a Joe Mixon show. Tim, you got anything to add before we, we keep this thing pushing? Just chase the, chase the offensive teams and he's on one of them. And so like Tyler said, it shouldn't be this hard. And I called chase Brown mid at the draft and I'll stand by that. So I don't think there's any threat. As long as he remains healthy, you're going to be pretty happy. The thing is, I think sometimes he's kind of boring, but 
it's it's a boring floor which is not a boring ceiling so it's not even the same thing yeah and i just like it i like i like where it's going i can take my elite wide receivers and then turn it around and grab Mixon, and it's well before that dead zone it's it's mm-hmm. it's a good round and a half before that uh and for good reason and you said chase good offenses well we got rba the last three, four seasons, Dallas has been a pretty, pretty elite offense in the league here. We got Tony Pollard as the RB8, but Kellen Moore is out of town. We got Schleinerman in here, and McCarthy says that he's going to be calling some plays. I'm going to steal a little bit of the show early and say that 68, that 65 to 68 plays per game they've run the last multiple seasons. I think it's perfect to project that to come down to around 63. You look at like a 15-year sample size and McCarthy. Teams have averaged 63. Schlott and average teams have averaged 63. That's where they're going to be. So the total points are going to come down. Yes. I think what it comes down to is what does this pass rush split look like? And people think because of McCarthy and with Schlott and Iverson out teams, that this team's going to run a lot. Well, look at the personnel in this roster. I mean, Tony Pollard, like what we were talking to those last guys. Yeah, he could see 50, 60 targets. But we're not talking more than like 200, 220 carries. I mean, if he's past 225, which I think is that's a fine projection, um, I, I have legitimate worries about his frame holding up with that. And that's just why he's a slightly step back from maybe some of the names we have above this for me. Uh, I have them actually passing a lot more than people think. I think it could be, you know, 60% of the plays or even slightly higher could be passing here for this team. And I think, you know, average projectors have them kind of in the mid 50s here. So, Tim. We've gone to Tyler too many times here. I got I got to come to you. I got to know your Tony Power take. Are you going to be pushed back, or do you think that it's an appropriate range to have him behind the names that we're going to get to in a little bit? I think he's pro- properly ranked, but I do want to give you a little pushback on what I think the run pass um, division might be or the ratio, but it might not even impact Pollard. The runs may, be, may come from a different individual just to save Pollard some, some wear and tear. And I think that will help Pollard in the run or the pass game when he does get opportunities. But you know, we can we can listen to whatever Mike says right now. But when rubber hits the road and you're trying to win ball games, you can say you want to run the football. But if if your bread and butter is going to be passing, you're just going to have to do that. Like you just if you're going to stick to a losing strategy, you're going to get fired. And I'm not saying he hasn't done that before because you know he's gotten fired. But at the end of the day, I'm going to run with the fact that I think Pollard has some of the best upside on a per play basis. And it only takes like three touches for you to, to basically complete your week with him. And then anything else on top of that is just gravy. Yeah. I mean, listen, yeah, I'm, I'm all here for where he goes and drafts is right at that two, three turn. And if you're telling me I can start a draft with, you know, Cooper Cup, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then at the next turn, I can grab a Devonta Smith and a Tony Pollard. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to be over the moon uh, with my pick. The only reason I said about the player personnel, when you've got a team that's got Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks and CeeDee Lamb and then behind Tony Pollard is you know, four foot 12 Malik Davis and three foot 12 Deuce Vaughn. I just have concern where, where, how we, how are we pounding the ball? Where's it come from? Tyler, uh, set, round us out, pick, pick a side here. What do you expect from Tony Pollard? And uh, what do you think the workload is going to be? Is it really going to take that step forward this year? It was going to take a step forward, but I mean, it's really tough for me to like pick a side here because it's like, I like that range that we're talking about. Um, you know, I, I think when we're, I think that 225 touch range that you were just talking about seems to be like where I'm at. Like that seems really good. The pat, he's going to get some passing work. I think, I think I have the 
currently have the Dallas Cowboys at a 46% rush rate, so 54% pass rate. So at the end of the day, um, like that, that's the I think you have them at eight. I have them at seven, right? I, I, I will be taking Pollard over Jonathan Taylor to give you a segue. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Tyler said it's perfect because he's an absolute pro. Jonathan Taylor, we got him here at number seven. Tim mentioned earlier, he's got the hold in. They got a rookie quarterback, a mobile-type guy, Anthony Richardson. We really don't know exactly what Tom's going to be. We expect a lot of RPO coming from them. Things could really slow down. We don't know what the touchdown upside is. And the big thing for me is what target volumes Taylor going to get. When he was around 50-plus targets, I really did. You saw that RB1 upside. I don't know if that's necessarily there, Tim. How do you feel about that upside for JT this year? And are you still comfortable taking him as the RB7? I mean, he is my RB7, but I feel very limited comfort when it comes to snagging him. But I'm going to abide by the rule that you grab your studs, and he still falls into that for me. And so there's not really much of an argument I can make behind or besides that unless he's injured, which there was even talk that he was playing injured so he wouldn't have to recoup fines. Because if he's injured and he's sitting in, they can't charge him for not practicing. So there's a lot of cloudiness in this whole situation. But at the end of the day, he's still Jonathan Taylor. If if uh, Richardson's not good, they're going to lean on Taylor. And I think that only helps Taylor. It's going to be what is his ceiling. And being that it's a, right now he's ranked as a middle to back end RB1, I think that's adequate in terms of floor. And it only gives you all the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, his ADP's fallen. It's fallen closer and closer to that RB10, and and for good reason, but that's where I have found myself taking the only Taylor I have is when it was like RB10, RB11 off the board. It's just with Tim. I'm like, it's a stud. If it doesn't work out, I'm, I'm not going to shoot myself over it. Tyler, any final thoughts here on Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I mean, I just have his rushing down. I think I, I don't think he has a top three ceiling anymore because of Anthony Richardson's rushing. I think you, you just got to look at, like, the rushing market share and like you have to immediately pull 20% out of that away because of Anthony Richardson. And we also know that like he's not necessarily a prolific pass catcher. Anthony Richardson also doesn't have a lot of um, you know, history of throwing to the backs, not to say that like means a ton. So I do think that top three ceiling is gone, but I do think he's still a stud. And at this range, I mean, I, I just took him last night in the $350 FFPC. Like I, I still think he's great. So it, it's just like I do think the ceiling has kind of disappeared with Anthony Richardson in town, but when, when he's at this range, like I have no problem taking him. Agree with you 100%, Tyler. We're moving on. This is the real meat and potatoes of these running back rankings. We're finalizing everyone after this top 18 in ADP. So you are spending up. You're, you're using a top pick on them. And we're going to start here with Derek Henry's, our RB6. And that's right where he goes. That's right where he goes in amongst ADP for these running backs. Tennessee, they just signed DeAndre Hopkins. We're hoping that. Traylon Burks, who got injured at practice today, doesn't miss more than four or five uh, weeks, and hopefully he can be in by week one to week three territory. Um, Ryan Tano was hurt a lot last year. This offense struggled, but Derrick Kennedy's one player who absolutely didn't. He finally saw a little knock up in that receiving work. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Ty. Do you feel he can replicate that receiving work? And is this just still no-brainer? This is Derrick Henry. They're riding him up, 300 touch upside. Uh, how do you feel about Derrick Henry this year in drafts? Has he been a player you've targeted or? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm targeting Derek Henry, man. He's an absolute stud, dude. He's the king. I have the most touches in the entire. I have him projected for the most touches of all running backs. Um, 
I think like obviously there's some concern with his age, but I think he's kind of like in that same realm of Travis Kelsey where it's like it's worth continuing to draft him. And if he hits the cliff while he's on your team, like I won't have regrets because if he doesn't hit the cliff, he's helping you in your league. So at the end of the day, like again, I've been projected currently right now. He's sitting at like 335 touches total. He's he's eclipsing the 300 rush attempt mark, which not many folks are going to be pretty close to. I, I think that, you know, when we look at his like passing, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to talk myself into like probably 30 to 35 catches, you know, like something solid, but at the same time, like good enough. So I, I've, I've been taking Henry. I like Henry. I think he, I'm riding him into the sunset. I think he's going to continue to be a factor. I don't necessarily think this, this, offense is going to shift too much it's Mike Rabel they've been doing something well and it's been working for them for a long time why stop now so I'm he, he's just, he's the dude he's the king uh you take Henry I take him with confidence and we ride yeah um a lot of studies come out people talking what happens with running backs who get 300 touches what is that huge decrease we see historically I remember myself putting out a tweet like that, or at least somewhere at home, putting down on a piece of paper that exact same thing. I think it was like four years ago. So I think that's where I am with Derek Enter. If there's one guy who's going to defy some odds, it's this guy. They're going to use him into the ground. I agree with you there, Ty. And, and I just want to add something to that too. Is it's like people forget his first couple of years, he wasn't getting these touches. Like and that's one of the things we want to talk about these touches coming through. It's like 110, you know, 110 attempts in 2016, 176 attempts in 2017, and 215 in 2018. So it's like, yeah, lately he's been running to the ground. But, like, prior to that, he was playing full seasons and not getting the touches. So I think there's this little kind of a misnomer where people assume he's been getting these kind of touches for his entire NFL career. But in reality, his first three years were just not like that. Yeah, uh, it's pretty awesome to think that at the end of the first round, you could you could land a pick seven Travis Kelsey or pick seven Cooper Cup, and then you're getting Derrick Henry at the, the middle of the second round. It feels like two first round picks. Uh, Tim, do you feel the same way? And do you have anything else to add here for Derrick Henry? I feel the same way. Nothing to add. I feel like we don't want to cloud any of the information. Take Derrick Henry. Yeah, I love that, guys. Just like number five, I love the player. Who's really popular here with the JWB team? It's Nick Chubb, a guy who every single year, year people are saying, well, he doesn't have that RB1 over upside because he's not catching a whole bunch of balls. Well, Kareem Hunt's out of town. Uh, I do have him personally projected for a little bit more. But my big thing with Nick Chubb is I just don't care because when he's healthy, he's finishing somewhere between four and seven. And at this point, it feels in the second round a really, really just safe option, especially when I'm starting with one of those elite wide receivers. Tim, have you found yourself in on Nick Chubb this year? I know five is actually a little low for some people. It's right in line with ADP, but some managers out there have him as high as two or three. Yeah, I am one of those managers. I think that Nick Chubb is going to have a monster season. I, th I think this whole offense is going to be kind of ridiculous because they have threats everywhere and they have a quarterback to get them the ball now. So I think that this offense kind of goes just crazy and Nick Chubb is going to be the centerpiece and I love it so much because even if you look at like Cooper, Cooper's only going to get targeted when he's open, which isn't going to be every play. And Nick Chubb play action usually helps a little bit on getting open as well. So riding Nick Chubb into those play action plays um, after giving him some rushes and then scoring some touchdowns with him, putting some stuff on film for the defense. I love it. Yeah, well, we talked in our Titan episode, which you're going to actually see coming out tomorrow with Andrew Cooper. When we talked David and Joku, I mentioned how early in the season with Jacoby Brissett, they were actually unprecedentedly high 
in in terms of their passing touchdown to rushing touchdown splits. And those all were going to Nick Chubb. And we're seeing how that that split might go back towards the receiving game. But the overall opportunities for this offense could go absolutely up. Tyler, I want you to quickly talk about the impact of Deshaun Watson, who's slightly more mobile than a couple of the quarterbacks Nick Chubb has played with in the past, and that has some manager, managers worried. What do you say about that mobility, and how does that impact Nick Chubb? I mean, frankly, I'm really not that concerned. Like, obviously, like Deshaun Watson's probably getting, um, you know, like a 20% rush share. So, like, that's, you know, it's pretty substantial. But at the same time, like, Nick Chubb is so damn efficient with the football that he only needs probably, you know, 55, 60% of the actual, like, rushing market share to, like, we're talking, like, five yards a carry guy, right? And, and that's just, like, who he is. The Browns have arguably, like, a, I don't think arguably, they do have a top three offensive line. I think they probably have the two best, like, the best guard tandem in the entire NFL. You know, there's a, and I think Watson, you know, as he is, he is going to run. He's also a threat to throw it. He's a threat to run. It's just going to open things up for Chubb. I actually don't have Chubb, like, you know, getting a crazy amount of targets. Like, I have him right on, on in line for what we saw with Henry, where we're seeing, like, you know, 40, 45 targets, catches 30, 35 balls. Like, that's not, like, why I'm in on Chubb. Like, it's a nice little bonus, but I think it's just, he's just so damn good. And the offensive line's going to be good. The offense is, is going to be humming. I'm very bullish on the team as a whole to be winning and running with Chubb. I'm just here. I mean, Deshaun Watson, It's. I think overall it's just a, a net positive for the entire team, which lends itself to be a net positive for Chubb. I'm here for Chubb. Yeah, and well, you mentioned 35 potentially balls being caught for Nick Chubb. He did that once in his career, and it was his second best season of his entire career. And in, in that year, Cleveland's offense wasn't even cooking. If Cleveland's offense takes a step forward and you get that same thing, we could be seeing, again, the best season Nick Chubb has ever seen. I, re I really think it's a possibility. Now, a player who bounced back in a big way last year, Saquon Barkley with the Giants, a real focal point of their offense. He, he signed that one-year extension there with the Giants, so he's in. He's playing football. Uh, I'm going to go back to Utah because I want to know what it is about Saquon Barkley uh, that seems just an absolute lock here as a top three back. At least that's where he's going in in uh, in ADP. It's it's the target share. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, to Saquon Barkley. I mean, like for, I have him about 14%, like 15% target share is like what we're looking at. We're talking 75 targets going to a running back. Like anytime like we can sit here and talk about, you know, 75 targets coming their way to a running back, like, Probably the only guys who are going to get more targets this year are going to be the guys that we've like two of the three guys that we've yet to talk about, essentially the top two guys. So it's just like when we talk about a running back getting 75 targets, like that's it. Like that's the money for me. And we know he's a great runner. Like maybe he's not as good as he was when he was a bit younger, but at the same time, I'm not sure the Giants really got many other weapons. Um, you know, like I, I like Waller, but like I was just saying this the other day, it's like, I don't think I would bet on a single Giants wide receiver to finish top 36. Like, I, I, you could pull names out of a hat, and I'd probably agree with you on who's going to be the leading wide receiver. So, for me, it's just like I expect him to be a focal point of the offense and not only a focal point on the ground, but also a focal point through the air. And I think that's the kind of piece where I, like, take it. Like, I do, like, a deeper dive, like, on my projections, and it's like there is no one in this entire team except for Waller who has more – has a larger target share than Saquon Barkley. Like it, and as far as like who's going to be getting the targets, it's Waller because he's a, a tight end, and then it's Barkley. Like their running back is going to be 
getting the second most targets on this team. And to me, that is the reason why, especially full PPR, even half PPR, um, you know, he's in this range for me. It, it really just comes down to him being a stud in the past game and me wanting a piece of that. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see tomorrow when we talk. I love that you leaned into Darren Wall. We talked about how legitimately this guy could have a really, really big season, and you nailed it right in the head where things are going in this offense. And Saquon Barkley, he's he's the, he's the guy to own here. I know Tim, Tim's Tim's off the Giants, kind of. I mean, it depends. If Waller falls, sure. Uh, you like a late stab on Isaiah Hodgins. But other than that, Saquon Barkley's the guy for you, Tim, huh? Yes, yeah. Definitely the guy in this Giants offense because last year they showed they can score points without having like any threats outside. And then we saw Saquon against the, the Vikings in the playoffs, and he was dominant. So I have zero doubts about him coming back and being Saquon for another year. I love it. Last night, we'll do, last note I'll say with the Giants, Darren Waller is the only pass catcher who goes in the top 150 picks. The next one's actually like 183. And it's Jalen Hyatt. So no Giants wide receivers going drafted in your in your typical 15 uh, round 10 team leagues here. So it's certainly something that I found very interesting myself. Now we're, we're pushing here. We actually have him a spot above ADP. We got B. John Robinson to pick three. Uh, really exciting rookie. It's it's really cool to, after we talked about Saquon Barkley to come with a B. John because that's how a lot of people feel this rookie year could look like for B. John Robinson, uh, a guy we've been waiting to come to the league for multiple seasons now. Tim, I have to go to you because we're talking Atlanta. You're the Atlanta guy. You're the Atlanta ranter here. So uh, take it away, Tim. Bijan's my two because Bijan is the most Ritter-proof player on that team. He can do anything he wants with or without Ritter. And if he's at least somewhat open, I hope Ritter can, like, dump the ball off to him. But he's going to get, like, I would say a a large amount of the rushing attempts. I would say, what, Tyler, do you you agree 70% or higher rushing attempts with whatever he gets in terms of – pass volume as well so i just think it's it's actually pretty safe in an offense that's kind of bad and it's an offense that likes throwing the ball so it's it's kind of like the doctor writing the prescription and it's the, the exact prescription you need in other situations it might be more cowbell but in this one it's just run the ball with Bijan. yeah tyler yeah is what tim's saying making sense to you yeah i mean in the end of the day they draft him where they drafted him i have met 60 percent rushing share 10 percent target share which are just great things my projections like you know they spit them out around six or seven usually just because of that but i think there's just this kind of like where they took him and how good his profile is it's like we're, we're kind of like it's a little bit of an unknown but like we're leaning into the unknown positively like we don't know enough about this guy so like let's just like take him because he could explode and i think that that's really what that comes down to for this rank is i'm i'm good with the rank of Bijan. i have him there at three you know again like i'm like i think it's important again to note that my, my projections don't equal my ranks like this is exactly what i'm talking about is like i get he comes out at six or seven but i want to move him up because i'm like i know who he is i know what he's capable of i know his profile i know where he was drafted like everything just kind of adds up to the situation where it's like the sky's the limit honestly um, we don't really know what's going to look like with Bijan, so I'm I'm willing to kind of take that shot at the third running back because um, he does have um, RB one potential in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was right there with Overall. you. He yeah, he spit out around six in the projections, but two things could be different. Atlanta could either look a little different than we think, or with him being 
what seems on paper the best red zone option. There could be touchdown upside. And those two things are absolutely what could elevate B. John Robinson to the next level. Uh, we were talking Desmond Ritter a little bit ago on a past episode. We were saying I was is is uh, average target was six yards down the field. And if, they, if they're really struggling to push the ball, I mean, I'm really hoping BJ Robinson's the guy because him in the screen game is an absolute freaking problem. If you went and watch some Texas games, you get the ball to this guy on the outside and he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. So I think yeah. Atlanta could be good. That's the other thing is like, I think Atlanta could be better than people think they are. Like their offensive line has improved. And I think their offensive line is very much tailored for the run game. Absolutely. No surprise considering who's running the team. Um, so like, if Atlanta came out and won eight or nine games a season, like it would not surprise me personally at all. And, you know, if they're winning uh, half their games, likely Bijan is just absolutely just pounding the rock um, while their offensive line is punishing defenses. So um, pretty, pretty soft division as well. So it's, it's just, there, there's too many, there's too many, uh, you know, green check marks here for me to, to, to fade or, or to actually put them down by six or seven. Yeah, and I, I don't. Marks. I don't think it's bold <laughs> saying that the Falcons could be pretty good. I know they were seven and ten last year, but the best team in the division was eight and nine, and that team lost the best quarterback of all time. So Atlanta, I don't think they're a bad bet to be, win that division. I, I don't think nine wins is ridiculous at all. And you know, in those games where they're playing against a new look Saints, a, a Baker Mayfield Buccaneers, a rookie quarterback Panthers, they could find themselves in some pretty sexy game scripts for um, B. John Robinson. My only hope is that they don't crush him too bad so Tyler Shear doesn't come in and get the Elijah Mitchell over Christian McCaffrey type touches. But I think it's a solid segue in here because I'm going to lump our number two and our number one together because they're the guys going at the very, very top of these drafts, and that's Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. Um there's not too much that has to be said about these guys. Uh, Austin Eckler's had what twenty? He's almost he's had twenty uh, touchdowns per season, like two years in a row. The only the only guy he's led the league in all-purpose touchdowns to both of those seasons. Somewhat of my words here, but Kellen Moore coming in that team could go up and plays could be even more efficient. We've seen what he's done with Dallas. I think the sky is absolutely the limit. He, he's a really exciting pick this year, and Chris McCaffrey almost a shoe fit for the 49ers. Um, Tim, if there's anything useful here, you could say to managers who might either have concerns, whether it be injury, change of systems, or maybe they're passing on them for a guy like B. John Robinson or a, a wide receiver step back like your A.J. Browns. What, what do you have to say to those managers? Anything insightful you have? Well, I have Eckler ranked lower than the rest of our team, but I still recognize the fact that the upside is there. Herbert was third in red zone attempts last year at 98, so one behind second place. But the question then is, if the offense runs more efficiently, do those numbers go down? Because if they are connecting on more deep targets or more shot plays, um, uh, does the volume actually decrease when it comes to getting the ball to Eckler? Now, that may not decrease a lot when it comes to his ability to score touchdowns. So that's something to look at. But that's the reason why I'm a little bit concerned is that with, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of concern that the wear and tear on him is not the Derrick Henry style, but I don't want to project injuries, so I'm not going to do that. But that's something that's in the back of my mind. But I, like I said, I recognize that he is different compared to most of the other running backs where a lot of them you're just kind of like, eh, I could go either way where it's like you should really be in on him because of the fact of the history of what he's done, the week-to-week -week upside, and the way that he can change a matchup. 
Yeah, I think I think it's almost certain that Austin Eckler's target share is going to come down. I mean, the thing was almost at twenty percent last year. I think it, even if it comes down to fifteen, he's still potentially leading the NFL in those targets. Really, it's just he has, in my opinion, the best touchdown upside in the entire league, and that's why I have to respect where I put him here. Um, but Christian McCaffrey, Tyler, make the argument for him as number one. Uh, I know you did a fun little piece with Wyatt last year, Christian McCaffrey versus Austin Eckler, and it's hilarious. Finished one and two here, but uh, round things out for us on a little Christian McCaffrey take. Yeah, I mean, when I, when I look at the Christian McCaffrey projections um, in the end of the day here, it really just comes down to the fact that I think he's like legitimately in a spot to get 100 targets once again. Um, and then, you know, the rushing, I think he gets more rushing work than Eckler does. I mean, you're splitting hairs. Like, I'm taking CMC ahead of him. But it's it's like I think there's like probably room for for McCaffrey to get twenty to thirty more rushes, like on the ground, right? And I also think he's going to probably end up getting a little bit more targets. Well, you know, Eckler has, you know, in terms of his t- touchdowns he scored the last two years has been absolutely insane. Like you said, I'm not going to say he can't do it again because the team is still trending up. But it just really comes down to the fact that Christian McCaffrey I think is going to get more a little bit more juice on the ground, um, and I think he gets a little bit more target bump, but. They're one and two. They're both smashes. They're top eight picks in your one QB redraft leagues without question. Um, if you took Eckler over CMC, I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you, but I just think there's a little bit more juice on the ground and through the air for CMC than there is for Eckler. Yeah, Tyler, I already know your answer. And Tim, I know Elijah Mitchell isn't like your favorite, but Tim, what what do you have to say to people? I know I've heard a couple of times, especially in like the office, Elijah Mitchell scares a few people. Uh, put it to bed or raise the legitimacy of the concern for me real quick well i mean they they should i mean he's been up and down he's been hurt himself but which we have to look at is that we're looking at a, a shanahan offense that it, it's going to need a running back so it's going to churn running backs no matter who's back there so even if he gives you one or two weeks it's probably going to be top 12 week wise just because of the level of involvement the running backs have in that system and it kind of revolves around the running game, like the whole thing. So like they won't be as efficient throwing if they're not successfully running all of that stuff. So there's a lot of impacts to San Francisco's offense where if they don't focus on making sure that game is successful, um, a lot of stuff hinges on it. So they're not going to allow that to fail. And I just want to, that's a great mm-hmm. point. I mean, it reminded me of something I need to mm-hmm. talk about is the chargers, for example, um, you know, I in terms of their like rush rate, I have them projected as the lowest in the entire NFL. Like that is me saying the Chargers are going to throw at like a higher rate than any other team in the NFL. However, the San Francisco 49ers are third highest in their rush rate. So like it's basically saying that like the Chargers are going to be throwing the ball a ton, which still helps Eckler. Like don't get me wrong, um, but like the San Francisco like they, they've always made their hay on the ground and like. They traded for CMC, and that's going to be run through of CMC. The Chargers' offense is going to be run through Herbert, right? It's like that's the difference. Is like the 49ers, It's like it goes through the ground. That is how the offense operates, and that is CMC. The Chargers goes through Herbert, and while Eckler is a huge piece of that, there's a lot of other factors at play there. So I think I should have brought that up, and I thank you for saying that because that reminded mm-hmm. me. It's just like the 49ers runs through the ground game, and CMC is like arguably the best running back in football. So like that is a, a point I should have made. And I think is the main point here to take away. No, Would I you say do. you hundred percent agree? 110 dude. 110. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with both you guys. 
shout out shout out reddit uh perfect way to go out here i i really really do love those points it's, it's an excellent way to end here guys that does it for our top 24 running backs we got tight ends coming out tomorrow so stick tuned and then we're jumping in next week to some sleepers some my guys we're gonna have a little fun with it go down in the description check out at the very top our player clips catalog i'm sorry for spamming these things out there on youtube guys but i'm really not because a lot of the guys in our discord also jump in in the description they're going up they're looking their players they want to know well tony pollard how i should be taking this guy they're going to search up tony pollard in the catalog go find our most recent clip so go check it out certainly a good tool and in the discord we're looking you're going to see actually yesterday but you're watching this it's out there announcement for the jwb subscriber showdown league so come in let us know uh what takes we got wrong while you're in the discord and then apply to get in the league so you can you can kick our butt show tyler why that number four overall ranker doesn't mean anything gl gl folks gl <laughs> all right guys and None of y'all beat us yet. Multiple years, JWB's undefeated. So y'all got something to prove. You go follow all, all of us and everything. Pin tweet at JWB underscore FF. I got nothing else for you guys. We will catch you next time.